craziness in the kennel happened, and despite our best efforts to not overreact, we're going to overreact a little bit. We're going to talk about the best and worst performances we saw on today's episode of Locked on Zags. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On Zags podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Folks, it is Mailbag Monday, and it is post-craziness in the kennel Mailbag Monday. We had some live Gonzaga basketball to watch over the weekend. Very exciting stuff. For those of you who want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, who had questions that you didn't get a chance to ask, uh, just a reminder on how to do so. You can email me, andypatton013 at gmail.com. Whenever you're thinking of a question, you can also reach out to me on Twitter. I typically post a tweet on Sunday morning soliciting questions. You can respond to that, get your question in the show. But the best way to do so is to join our Discord channel. It's called Locked on Zags. On Discord, there is a link in the show notes, it is a working functional link. I know some of you have tried it and had issues with it in the past. Click the link. You'll get invited into the Discord from there. There is a channel to ask questions. We're also just chatting about Gonzaga basketball all day long. Now, as the season gets started, a great time to join that channel. But right now, we're going to get straight into it because we had a bunch of questions about craziness in the kennel, about Gonzaga, all for our mailbag. And we're going to start talking about one of the most notable performances in the event because four of you asked different questions about Braden Huff. Nick via Discord and Peter via Gmail asked if Braden Huff might start at the five in place of Graham EK. There was concern that EK would miss the start of the season, while Jeff and Christian, both via Gmail, each asked more broadly about Huff's role this season and his performance performance at craziness. So let's start there. And let's start getting this out of the way. One, I don't expect Graham EK to miss time. Mark Few addressed the fact that EK did not perform in this event after the the scrimmage. He basically said it's precautionary. I know some people have said, well, it's concerning that he's missing practices. He missed this event. And this event is not as important to Mark Few and the staff as practices. I think they'd rather have him on the floor when they can. He was getting shots up and doing work on the floor a couple hours before craziness began. I'm not worried about Graham EK any more than I was before this event. I think certainly coming off a major foot injury, there is some level of concern, but I don't think Graham EK is going to miss the start of the season. doesn't mean he might not miss time down the line. Certainly there is some level of concern about somebody coming off a foot injury. As for Braden Huff starting, absolutely not. Love Braden Huff, love this performance. I'll talk about it in a second. But the idea of Braden Huff jumping Ben Gregg on the depth chart is lunacy. I mean, quite frankly, it is nothing against Braden Huff, nothing against his performance in this event. He is not going to start over Ben Gregg. If Graham E.K. were to miss time, Anton Watson and Ben Gregg would start, and then the rest of the lineup would, would be as it, as we expect it to be, Steel Venters, Nolan Hickman, Ryan Nemhard. Mark Few starting a redshirt freshman who's never played a college basketball game over a guy who's been in the program for three years, who played big minutes for the team last year, is absolutely not going to happen. Having said that, Braden Huff looked pretty darn good. Let all, all players and scorers, took a, a lot of shots, looked good with them, fluid. Uh, I, I expected him to look good in this game. I think the growth from freshman year to sophomore year is always significant. And even though his happened behind the scenes, I'm not surprised to see him kind of emerge into his own a little bit and, and look more 
better than he did last year at craziness in the kennel, which of course is silly to judge him off of that as it was just a small sample size for him. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to play the fourth big role. I think again, assuming health with EK and Watson and Greg, he's the fourth big uh, fourth bigs for Gonzaga has to have historically played, you know, four to six minutes per game. I think there's a chance he plays a little bit more than that, but I wouldn't expect him to have a significant role. I don't think that this changes my opinion about how much he's going to play. I think that the majority of minutes that Drew Timmy's lost, most of them will be absorbed, of course, by Graham Ike. I don't think Ike will play as many minutes per game as Drew Timmy did, but I think the majority of those extra minutes will go to Ben Gregg. Greg played about 12 minutes per game last year. I think he plays more like 18 to 20. I think between him playing that much, EK playing, Watson playing, there's just not going to be a lot of leftover time for Huff. But I think that he will get some playing time. He will look good in that playing time. And I think he'll be in line for a bigger role after that. Next question here comes from Slog16 on Discord, who says, what is your projected depth chart after craziness in the kennel? Yeah, it's the exact same as it was for me before. Uh, and I'll give you a reminder on what that was. But to me, I, I I still expect things to look the same. I didn't see anything in this scrimmage that altered my perception of how the depth chart might shake out. Of course, no EK does could potentially change things. But I have said already that I don't think he's going to miss time at the beginning of the year. I think they're just being a little extra precautious. But for me, my starting lineup was Ryan Nempard, Nolan Hickman, Steel Venters, Anton Watson, and Graham EK. So I expect that to be the five. Sixth man is Ben Gregg. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes off the bench this year. And then seven, eight, and nine for me is Jun Sakio at seven. Luka Krinovich, I was mispronouncing his name. I want to apologize quickly about that. I got a very lovely message from a member of his family saying they listened to the show, which I always appreciate hearing and gently reminding me that I, or gently letting me know that I was pronouncing it wrong. So Luka Krinovich, we'll get that correct. I have him at eight, Dusty Stromer at nine, Braden Huff at 10. I think nine and 10 may play a little bit more this year than they have in the past. I feel like we say that every year and every year, Mark Few plays a pretty tight eight man rotation. So we'll see. Uh, it was a bit of a I suppose hot take for me to have Krinovich ahead of Stromer in the in the depth chart. That's what I've been going with for the last few months as we've talked about this depth chart. I guess last month and a half since Krinovich has been a member of the team, but I still believe Krinovich is going to be a slightly bigger piece than Dusty just because uh, he's got experience playing against professionals in Croatia. He played you know, at a high level over there. He's, I think, a little bit more positioned to to fill a role right away. I think Dusty's got a little bit of, of filling out to do physically. I think they're both going to have a small role. But I'm leaning Krinovich. And frankly, uh, and actually, we'll just get into the next question here so I can answer it. It comes from Corbin on Discord who says, do you think Luka Krinovich could play himself into the rotation like Ben Gregg did last year? And yeah, I, like I said, I, I kind of already expected him to be in the rotation and his performance at craziness. He had 11 points, very productive shooting. Uh, he looked like somebody who's ready to be a part of Gonzaga's rotation. And I think most people who watched that scrimmage probably felt that way. Again, with the caveat that I've already said a few times and that I will reiterate here and not anymore after this, that it's a scrimmage against your own teammates where you know what offense they're running, you know what defense they're running, you know who's guarding you. You there's just it's a lot different than in a game setting. Having said that, Krinovich has only been with the team for a couple of months at this point and for him to have already looked that fluid and that comfortable. And that's not to say Dusty looked uncomfortable, he didn't. 
But to me, I think Krajinovic is, is more suited to be a day one rotation player than I saw from Dusty Stromer. And, and we've seen Mark Few. But, and I know that Krajinovic is also a freshman, but he's an international freshman who, again, has has experience playing against like 30-year-old professionals, something that Dusty just does not have. And when we look at Mark Few's track record of playing freshman, I know we've been spoiled by Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs and uh, even Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, who came off the bench but played big roles as freshmen and guys like Corey Kispert in the past. Traditionally, freshmen ranked in the you know four-star freshmen, non-five-star freshmen with few exceptions, don't play much in Mark Few's system. Dominic Harris was rated and Julian Strother for that matter, were both rated very similarly to how Dusty Stromer was rated in his class. It's also worth pointing out that the 2021 recruiting class was considered better than the 2023 recruiting class. doesn't mean that Dusty's not as good as those guys necessarily, but those guys played like six or seven minutes per game as freshmen and they didn't even play in every game. So to me, I think Dusty's kind of going to be in a similar situation. And I've continued to maintain that where I think he plays most nights, but he's a lot of his minutes come at the end of the game. He's not necessarily a part of the core rotation throughout the night. That's my expectation. I could be wrong about this. It's going to be one of him or Krinovich, who I think is kind of in that role. I'm leaning Luca right now. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. As long as one of those guys really pops and plays well as a key part of the rotation, that's a huge boost for Gonzaga. Doesn't necessarily matter which one it is. I think both of them have very bright futures as Gonzaga basketball players. But right now, I, I am I'm continuing, as I did before, to lean with Krinovich. And uh, Saturday's performance did nothing to dissuade me from that. Well, we got biggest surprises. We got a little bit of disappointments from craziness and some discussion on Nolan Hickman's role and upside all coming up after this. But now, folks, it's your time. It's time for your game changer of the week brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Much like big man Drew Timmy, we got some Drew Timmy talk here in this Athletic Brewing Company discussion. Uh, athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And speaking of good, Drew Timmy didn't get a whole lot of playing time for the Milwaukee Bucks in their first preseason game of the year. But when he got in, he made it count. He hit a tip-in bucket with less than 30 seconds to go to give Milwaukee a lead that they never relinquished. The game-winning shot drew Timmy making winning happen as he did so often in a Gonzaga basketball uniform. Meanwhile, Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Full of flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use promo code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, folks, thank you for sticking with us here. Segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. I want to thank all of you for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day and remind you that now the craziness is done. We are just a few weeks away from actual Gonzaga basketball, and we are starting our season preview series for the next three weeks. 
couple episodes a week will be dedicated to every single player on Gonzaga's roster. We're going to talk history, how they got here. We're going to talk about their best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season. We're also going to talk about their expected role, expected production again for every player on the roster coming up this week. So make sure you're subscribed to the show. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, on your favorite podcast platforms, anything like that. We are getting ready for some hoops and we're going to continue our mailbag conversation here with this question from Austin on Discord, who says, not that the performances really mattered in craziness in the kennel, but who impressed you the most and who would you have liked to see more from at craziness? Well, we already kind of talked about Luca. We already talked about Braden Huff. And so I don't want to just continue to reiterate the same couple of guys. So I'll talk about Pavel Stosic, because to me, a guy who's only been on campus for a few weeks, he, I, September 23rd is when we found out that Pavel Stosic was coming to Gonzaga. That was not that long ago for him to have looked at all comfortable, I think is a testament to his ability to, to assimilate to Gonzaga's offensive style. I think it's an, uh, an encouraging sign for his fit uh, on the roster. Also his high level athleticism. There's a picture that somebody posted in our discord channel, another, another shout out to, to join the discord channel that uh, of him jumping up. Uh, he didn't block the shot, but it was him jumping up and his head is clearly is about level with the rim. Like this is a very athletic young man. Uh, again, I don't really expect much from him this year. I think there's a reasonable chance that he red shirts, but I do think that what we saw from him considering the circumstances was pretty impressive. I don't really want to get into a whole lot of, of negativity. Uh, who would I have liked to see more of? I mean, I think the obvious answer there is EK. I know that's sort of a cop-out, but I am disappointed. Not in the decision to bench him for this, mind you. I think that was probably the correct choice by Mark Few. No reason to risk him getting hurt. I'm just sad we didn't get a chance to see how he looks in the offense and kind of just a, a glimpse of, of his playing style for those who haven't watched a lot of tape of him at Wyoming and whatnot. I'm sad we didn't get to see that. There's a couple guys who, who didn't shoot it particularly well. I'm not worried about Ryan Nembhard missing a lot of shots. I'm not worried about Steel Venters missing a lot of shots. Uh, June Sakio was a, a little bit quiet, but I thought that some of the stuff we saw from him was solid. So nobody that I was ultimately all that concerned with. I would have liked to see more from EK. I would have liked to see Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nembhard on the same team, although I understand why they were not, uh, just in terms of a role fit. And that actually kind of leads well into these next questions here. First from Christian via Gmail, who says, who surprised you the most? We already covered that. And he also said, Nolan Hickman looked confident and ready to play both shooting guard and point guard. And then Tip Top Magoo, Yanks Zags on Twitter said, more of a prediction than a question. Nolan Hickman will be all WCC this season. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Nolan Hickman. Again, no surprise, at least not for me, that Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nemard were placed on separate teams. In terms of equality, in terms of you know ha having the best player guarding each other in those situations, in terms of balancing the rosters, it's what made the most sense. But one of the most intriguing things about this Gonzaga basketball roster as we head into the 23-24 season is how Nolan Hickman adjusts to playing off the ball. And it's worth pointing out, we've kind of talked about this big transition for Nolan and what it's going to look like. And, and certainly there's a lot of kind of storylines and elements that go along with it. But it is worth pointing out that Nolan Hickman played off the ball a fair amount as a true freshman at Gonzaga because they had Andrew Nembhard. So he has not only played off the ball in a Gonzaga offense before, he's played off the ball in a Gonzaga offense with a member of the Nembhard family. Ryan and Andrew are not the same player. I continue to reiterate that because it is important to acknowledge that they are not exactly the same player, but they are going to play a functionally similar role in Gonzaga's offense. So Nolan Hickman is probably more comfortable and aware of what that role entails than somebody, you know, who's making that transition, who's only ever been the actual point guard. 
So I do think that that helps Nolan kind of get off the ground a little bit earlier and, and fill that role a little bit more seamlessly. We didn't get a ton of looks at it. We certainly saw him play off the ball a little bit in the scrimmage game. I didn't expect to be able to glean a lot about that from this game. And even if him and Nemhard were on the same team, I'm not sure that we would have learned a ton about it because again, playing against your own teammates who, who know the offense that you're running and, and all those other kind of factors that come into play kind of make it harder to, to make a strong judgment about that. But how Nolan Hickman adjusts to a full-time or much more full-time off the ball role. I expect he is Gonzaga's point guard, but in the past, uh, Ryan Nembhard has played 32, 33, 34 minutes per game. And I think he's going to play a role similar to that uh, for Gonzaga this year. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of minutes where Nolan Hickman is playing the one. Most of his minutes will come at the two. And I think he's going to do well. I think it's going to allow him to be more of a catch and shoot player, more of a secondary creator, you know, get him the ball, let him attack the rim, maybe let him uh, do something a little different than just be kind of the the person who has to bring the ball up, who faces that pressure. I think let Ryan handle that, let Nolan handle a different role should allow him to be better. In terms of all WCC, absolutely possible, but also worth acknowledging there are a lot of really good guards in the WCC. Aiden Mahaney and Ryan Nembhard are, are near locks to be first-teamers, assuming that they produce at the level that they're capable of producing. Tyler Robertson at the University of Portland's a fifth-year senior who averages 15, 5, and 5. He's probably going to be in that conversation once again. Uh, Houston Millette from Pepperdine is an all-WCC caliber guard without question. Uh, Mike Sher of Jamps at San Francisco, new transfer coming in from Dayton, I think is in that conversation as well. That's not to say Hickman cannot make it. It's more to say that there is going to be a lot of good guard play in the WCC, uh, as there has been historically, even as we lose players like Brandon Pajemski and Carlos Stewart and Cam Shelton and Khalil Shabazz and everybody else. There's still a lot of great guards. And Hickman's going to have to play really well. He's going to have to produce at a high level, a higher level than we've seen from him the last couple of years in order to get into that all WCC conversation. But I wouldn't put him past him whatsoever to be the guy who steps up, who gets that done, who produces, who changes a lot of people's minds who have had negative uh, impressions of Hickman for the first couple of years and ends up in that award conversation at the end of the year. Next question here comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, I know you've talked extensively about the lack of rim protection, protection, but it does seem like there is a potential for lockdown defenders in this group. Who might be two or three of the defensive standouts? Well, of course, you got Anton Watson. Anton Watson, who I think if there was not a Mitchell Saxon in the WCC, I think Anton Watson would be the obvious, clear and obvious front runner to be the WCC Defensive Player of the Year. I think it's still very possible that he wins it. But St. Mary's is going to be a better defensive team than Gonzaga by Ken Palm, by, you know, points, uh, how they hold opposing teams. Like all the all the eye test metrics and advanced metrics are almost certainly going to point to St. Mary's being a better defensive team than Gonzaga. That's not even me trying to to bag on Gonzaga's defense as much as it is. St. Mary's might be one of the 10 best defensive teams in the entire country this upcoming season. Mitchell Saxon's going to be their anchor down low. He's going to block a lot of shots. He's going to get a lot of rebounds. He's probably going to get a lot of notice for that award. But Anton Watson is excellent. He's excellent in half-court traps. He's excellent on ball on the perimeter. He's excellent uh, around the rim. He's not really a a rim protector per se, but he is a a good at, he's a good post defender. He gave Oscar Sheway all sorts of fits against Kentucky last year. Like he's more than capable of guarding the best of the very best. And I think he's going to be the biggest piece for Gonzaga 
really he's going to be huge offensively, but his defense makes him the most important player for Gonzaga. I think Ben Gregg has improved defensively. It looked like it in the glimpses we saw. I think we'll continue to see him grow and be a very solid post defender uh, and even defender in space as, as a hedger on screens and all the other roles that he will be asked to fill. I still have some concerns about the guard defense. I think Nolan Hickman has improved. And frankly, I'm fairly excited about the more so the future that the, of the defense that we might see from Krinovich and Dusty Stromer, I'm not confident that they'll step in and be like really good defensive players in year one. I think they'll be good for freshmen. I think they'll be good for reserves, but I'm not sure that they're going to be like, you know, all conference type defenders right away. But I think that there is a lot of upside there. And I'm excited to see EK when he comes back. He was never really kind of billed or labeled as a good defender at Wyoming. I think there's a chance that he could step, he could improve in that area at Gonzaga playing a different role, playing in a different system. He's also got a really big wingspan, and I think there's a chance he's not going to be Chet Holmgren or Brandon Clark. Nobody will, but I think he might be at least adequate enough that combined with Watson, combined with Greg, combined with some of the other guards who might step up, I think that there's there's the opportunity for this team to be uh, better than they were last year defensively, but uh, I still think that they didn't I'm not confident they brought in the pieces to to make this team like a really, really good defensive team. But I think there are some guys on this team could, who could really help uh, kind of change this team's reputation a little bit and make them a little better on that end of the floor. We're going to close out today's show answering more listeners submitted questions. We're going to talk about secret scrimmages. We're also going to talk about the upcoming WCC and Mountain West Media Press Conference, all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what helps keep your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kicks, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you will always find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your car alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions do apply, and eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, folks, closing out the show with a handful more mailbag questions as we get closer and closer to the start of Gonzaga basketball season after watching craziness in the kennel on Saturday. This question here comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, what is your favorite part of craziness? For me, it's simple. There's two, two parts. One, it is the players who get introduced for the first time, whether they're transfers, but mostly the freshmen, the international freshmen or the freshmen coming out of the States, either way, your first time getting introduced in the kennel as a true member of Gonzaga's roster. We know that Dusty and some other freshmen have had their names chanted before they actually committed, have had have heard the, the kennel crowd before, and maybe aren't as like shocked by it because they've been there before. They've been in the arena. They've been to games. But it is still different. And the first time that you come down those stairs – and that you you jump onto that crowd that that floor you run onto the floor you hear the crowd screaming your name you're high fiving people going down the stairs that is an incredible moment for all of these players. Krajnovic's family was at this event. They came over from Croatia to watch this, 
And for them to see him walk out on the floor, to see the crowd's excitement, to see him play well, which is always fantastic too. What a cool moment for them. What a cool moment for Luca. And again, this applies to Dusty and Pavel and everybody else who got their first opportunity to step out onto the floor as like a real member of Gonzaga, wearing the uniform. That is the best part of craziness in the kennel. Beyond that, I think the fact that there are, are, are fans, mostly kids, who, who don't get to go to Gonzaga games because they're really hard to afford. You, you have to buy them on the secondary market to go to home games, who get a chance to go to this event. And I think for them, the opportunity to, to be up close to the players, to see them live for maybe the, the first time or maybe the only time they get that opportunity to do so. Yes, it's not a real game, but a six-year-old doesn't know. And so I think for, for young kids to get this opportunity that they may not get afforded otherwise, as well as the opportunity for these young players and freshmen and incoming players to, to get their first opportunity to play in front of the home crowd in the McCarthy Athletic Center. Those are the best things. Everything else, great. Love the three-point shootout. Love the fun that they have, et cetera. All that's great. But those are the two things that stand out to me as my favorite parts of craziness in the kennel. Next question here comes from Jeff via Gmail. Jeff says, have you heard anything about who Gonzaga is playing in their secret closed door scrimmage? No doubt the second half of their televised scrimmage against Tennessee did not go so well, but playing a big name team seems to have benefited the Zags overall. Yeah, if I, if I knew it wouldn't be a secret, right? I, I wish I had a better answer for you, Jeff, but I don't know. Uh, I've heard some schools floated around. I'm not going to entertain those rumors until I actually know more because I don't think adding speculation uh, without knowing anything concrete is, is particularly uh, helpful in this situation. I, I do believe Gonzaga is going to play a closed door scrimmage, and I'll talk about that in the second question, but I don't know who that might be against. Next question here comes from JDK on Discord, who says, do you think Few and Co. add a special charity exhibition similar to Tennessee uh, in between their November 3rd exhibition and their November 10th game at Yale? And that's why that time frame is a bit empty. I think no, because most teams don't have that time available. Most teams are playing on November 6th or November 7th. The majority of college basketball teams have their first basketball game of the season on either November 6th or November 7th. That pretty much takes them out of the running for playing an exhibition game any rest, any of the rest of that time. They, Gonzaga's not going to play an exhibition game on the 4th or the 5th. Uh, maybe they would play one on the 5th and maybe a team that starts on the 7th, but even then, I doubt it. I think that's too tight of a, of a window. If a team debuts on the 6th, maybe they're willing to play an exhibition game on the 8th, but probably not. They might be willing on the 9th, but Gonzaga's not going to play an exhibition game on the 9th when they have a game on the 10th. So to me, I just don't think the window works. There are a couple of teams that maybe don't play in that window that maybe they could schedule. But to me, I don't think that's the window. I think Gonzaga will play a charity exhibition game or a secret scrimmage, whether it's for charity or not. I don't know. I hope so. Of course, I think that they should be doing something for Maui. I'm not going to slam them for not making the choice to do that. But I think it would be nice, especially since they're playing in that invitational this year. But I think they're going to opt for the secret scrimmage. I think it's going to be in late October before that November 3rd game against Lewis Clark State. And I think that we will find out fairly soon who it might be against. And I think that it is probably on the calendar because it's already October 9th, as most of you are listening to this. And if they're going to play somebody big, uh, some top 25 team, some you know power five powerhouse, the players probably already know about it. So I do think that it's happening, and I do think it's going to be announced relatively soon. I, I don't have a source on this for the record. I'm just speculating. But I do think it's going to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen between the 3rd and the 10th. I think that for whatever reason, Gonzaga has opted to start their season a little bit later. And I think that that's just what's going to happen with the team this year. Final question of the show, another one from Jeff 
via Gmail, Jeff says, uh, Sports Illustrated published an article about an upcoming joint press conference with the WCC and Mountain West in Las Vegas. Have you heard if this joint press conference is happening? And if it does happen, basketball would be a primary focus of the press conference, but it is intriguing to see what else might come out of it. Yeah, it's definitely happening. A lot of places other than in the the Fan Nation site for Sports Illustrated have reported it. Theo Lawson at the Spokesman Review reported it. Like this is a a thing that's happening on October 11th, October 12th, joint press conference, WCC Mountain West. I think the reason it's not making a whole bunch of headlines is because most people don't expect that it is going to be an announcement of any significant like altering news. It's not going to be a merger. I don't think that would be a stunner if they came out and announced that maybe on another episode, we will discuss what a potential pack two mountain West WCC merger of sorts with potential relegation could look like. That's, that's kind of a fun topic to potentially explore in a future episode, but I don't expect that. I think there's a chance that the announcement is this that the WCC and the Mountain West are having some kind of scheduling agreement for men's basketball and women's basketball. That would be great. I think that's an objectively good thing, but it's also worth pointing out basically every single team in the WCC is already playing at least one Mountain West team in the non-conference. They almost all do. Gonzaga's playing San Diego State. Most of the rest of these teams are playing somebody. So I don't think that that kind of an announcement would be that shattering, altering, significant. It would be nice to know that there's actually like a, a hard and fast agreement between the two conferences to play those games. But if that's what the announcement is, and I'm, I'm, this is 100% speculation on my part, I don't think that that changes all that much because most teams are kind of already scheduling that way. It's possible there could be more announcements coming, but I don't, it's not like individual schools moving conferences because you wouldn't schedule a joint press conference to be like Gonzaga's joining the Mountain West. Like that's not how that would work. So I'm not expecting it to be much of anything. Maybe it's a TV agreement. Maybe it's a joint thing. But I I don't, I think the main reason it hasn't been reported on all that much is because nobody knows what the actual announcement is or what the reasoning is. And because nobody's expecting it to be anything incredibly significant coming out of this announcement, but we'll know in just a couple of days. That is going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Look out for our player preview series starting on Tuesday. We're going to talk about every player on the roster and their best and worst case scenarios, their expected role in production, their history, how they got here. It's going to be a fantastic series, third year in a row doing these. Very excited about it. So stick with us. Hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Leave a review. Whatever you want to do to help out Locked On Zags, join that Discord channel as well. It is very much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.